I am so glad that you're joining us tonight. Uh, as Pastor Randall said, my name is Ryan, and uh, I'm delighted to continue our Romans teaching this evening. Our text comes from Romans chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 25. It says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, and no mercy. Whew, well, that's heavy. As I was reading this uh, this week for this teaching, I couldn't help but think that a little bit of this kind of sounds like a movie that I really liked. We actually watched it together with our church. It's called Inception. And if you have seen the movie Inception, you know that the main character, his name's Cobb, is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And Leonardo DiCaprio makes his living by entering into the subconscious mind of his mark and planting a thought. In Cobb's words in the movie, he says, an idea is like a virus, resilient, highly contagious. And even the smallest seed of an idea can grow. It can grow to define or to destroy you. What is the most resilient parasite? Bacteria, a virus, an intestinal worm, an idea. Resilient, highly contagious. Once an idea has taken hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks right in there somewhere. And as I'm reading these words of Paul in Romans chapter 1, it kind of feels similar to what Cobb is talking about in the movie Inception. There's one idea that has so many consequences. And as we just read in verses 29 through 31, Paul leaves no consequence uncovered. These verses read as a who's who of all of the bad that we are capable of. Greed, check. Gossip, check. Arrogant and boastful, that is there too. Murder, he wrote it. Where do these de desires come from? How do they develop? And why are we bent towards sin? Well, theologians call this idea original sin. You've probably heard that before. It's found at the very beginning of the scriptures and Genesis chapter 1 with Adam and Eve. As they eat the fruit from this tree of life thinking that they will be gods in their own right, instead they break the system that God has created. They do exactly what Paul writes in verse 25, exchanging the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and serving creative things, created things rather than the creator. It's inception, it's an idea that grows to define and destroy what God intended. And when it takes hold, it's difficult to eradicate and hard to stamp out. It leads to the sins that Paul describes. And he paints this picture of all humanity being sinful. And therefore, all humanity deserves the wrath of God. 
Even those who, who take the moral high ground while practicing the very things that they condemn in other people, they too are simply storing up wrath for themselves. Paul's letter tells us that no one is exempt. All fall short and deserve punishment. I remember when I was a child, and I would do something wrong as children tend to do, my parents would discipline me. As a newish dad, my daughter just turned 17 months two days ago, and she's starting to get way too big. And I've started thinking, as she's starting to do things that she knows are wrong, what does discipline look like in our home? What do I do as a father when my child does something wrong? Right now, I do not know. But I keep coming to the, back to the fact that, that the best discipline that we receive comes from a place of love. It doesn't come through feelings of power or a vindictive spirit. When I was a child, I was punished for my wrongs because my parents loved me. They wanted what was best for me. And they wanted me to change for the better. We are much the same. No person is perfect. And we struggle to determine between right and wrong. And we usually prefer wrong over right. And children have no concept of right and wrong. Which is why we teach them. And discipline serves the process of teaching as Paul writes and shows us God's character. I always remember my own dad, after some type of discipline, when I would do something wrong, he would always ask me this question. Ryan, what is the worst thing that I could do as your dad? And the answer was always, in one form or another, dad, it would be to leave me as I am, and to allow me to remain the same. See, good parents teach children to leave childish things behind and to grow into responsible and well-rounded people. And this is the heart of our passage in Romans. I ask you, what is the worst thing that God could do to us? The answer to leave us alone and to leave us as we are. If God wanted to abandon us and to leave us on these paths we've made of worshiping things that we have created, he could. And that would be the worst punishment because not only would he be leaving us alone here on earth, but he would also be leaving us apart from him in eternity, alone here and alone after. And that is what we deserve. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And that leads us to the second part of our passage tonight in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ 
Jesus. Because we have all sinned. And we all fall short of God's glory. And we fall short of the standard that he sets for us. Full stop. That's it. You, me, we, we have no shot. But praise God, it doesn't stop there. It says all are justified freely by his grace. I love this because what it teaches us is that it's God's grace doing the work. And I also love this word justified. Because what it literally means in the scriptures is a positive verdict. God is the judge and he renders a verdict that is in our favor. We are not justified by account of our own achievements, our own works, high morality. It is through nothing that we could ever do short of taking a step towards our creator. When we lay down these idols that we have made and have created and have built that we really, really like to worship and instead we choose to worship the creator of all things, it is his grace that then bridges the gap for us. And finally, as the scriptures do time and time again, our verse culminates by pointing us back to Jesus. This redeeming grace that Paul writes about is only possible because of Christ's sacrifice for us on the cross. And Paul tells us that all who believe in the gospel and all who accept this sacrifice whether Jew or Gentile, whether insider or outsider, will receive salvation because of the work of Jesus. This verse and, and these writings that we have read tonight are central to what we believe, to our theology. And they express the very heart of the gospel. So the sins outlined in chapter 1 that Paul covered, they're no longer counted against us because we have entered into relationship with God as it was originally intended. And we are forgiven. And when that happens, God communes with us here on earth in our earthly experience. He is with us and then promises that when this earthly experience is over and what it is through, we will be with him again for all of eternity. So if the worst punishment that God could give us is separating himself from us, then the greatest gift is his eternal engagement with us here and then. That is the miracle of the gospel. There's a Spanish story of a father and son who had become estranged. And the son runs away. And the father sets off to find him. 
He searches for months to no avail, and he can't find his son. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find his son, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Signed, your father. You know what happened? That Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up to the newspaper office looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. In our story that we just read in the scriptures, God is the Father, and we are all Pacos. And when we show up in front of that newspaper office to meet God, all is forgiven, and we are loved forever. We are again included and a part of his family. You see, we are made in the image of God. It says in the scriptures that we are his handiwork. But we are also so very human. And oftentimes it is our own decisions and our own actions that remind us how human we really are. Given the opportunity and left to our own devices, we tend to throw a wrench into our own circumstances and we make a mess. But here, as Paul teaches us, there is a way to again be seen and to be known and to be in relationship with God. The band, you guys can go ahead and come up. As we just read in the scriptures, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. I love you, and I can't wait to see you soon, hopefully.